Hello and what's going on? Rich Ryan here, Reinforced Running Podcast. Today we have some really awesome race recaps. We have Spartan Ultra World Champion, Mark Gadet. We have second place U.S. National Series finisher, Annie Doobie, and Logan Broadbent coming off of a the Boston Marathon and a seventh place finish at Big Bear and then also a fourth place overall at the Spartan U.S. National Series star-studded field here so and also i just want to appreciate you guys thank you for your patience sorry for missing last week went ahead and got married so we had other things going on and then we'll so just kind of pulling the pieces together and making sure we're getting some content out there for you so coming up we have some ocr stars previews we're going to do uh, down the road just making sure everyone's up to date on how to approach those and just giving a overview of what you expect in terms of the competition for that. So be on the lookout for that. And we're looking to get some more athlete interviews in later next week as well. So a lot of cool stuff coming on. So we're back in action. So let's do these race recaps. All right, Mark, what's happening, man? Thanks for, thanks for making this time. Squeeze me in after a run. It's like, it's, we're recording Sunday morning. It's seven 30 your time. We were setting this up. You're like, can we do it at like seven thirty so I can get a workout in before I was like on a Sunday? Sure. And just trying to your schedule leading into the, the championships was crazy for Telluride was, was kind of crazy. Just logistically you're moving around and stuff like that. And even before that you were taking on like a heavy class load and like your work was like really intense for a long time, but you still were able to put together an amazing performance and come out freaking world champion, dude. That is so cool. How you been feeling about that? I mean, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, uh, it was, you know, things were pretty hectic, uh, you know, the last three months leading up to the race. But it was really the consistency over the last three years, which um, kind of built that base that I could kind of fall back on. And then just, you know, years and years of experience of doing things through the night, um, I think just, you know, gave me a lot of confidence heading in, heading into the, the race in Telluride. Kind of the, the only unknown was how I would hold up um, at that altitude. And then mm. with that amount of climbing over 24 hours, that was the only thing that was really new to me. But the rest of it was, uh, was something I'd done, you know, many times before. Just at home. And that was when we were watching the results, which I actually did a decent job of. They had the results on the Spartan page, which – I'm not used to seeing, and usually it's they're not awesome at letting us know, or I'm like following through athletes or something, but they did a good job of keeping up on what was going on, and I could kind of tell, but I was watching and texting back and forth with uh, Vince Pukowski, um, also on Torque, who uh, just won the best Ranger competition, and he was like, when the lights go out, Mark's going to Mark's gonna take this thing, um, and it didn't necessarily play out that way, but the confidence that he had in you just based off of the experience level and him knowing who you are as a person and as an athlete, um, definitely was uh, like what it stood out to me. It's like, okay, yeah, this is a kind of a different thing when it gets dark. <laughs> what was it like? Like, I don't even know how to talk about a 24 hour race because like, where do you start? Like what, like, how do you even know what points to even talk about? So when you think back on the race, like what parts of the race do kind of st- stand out to you? So the, I, th- I think first, first off, the thing that stands out the most was how I ended up with, running with Tyler for, you know, 20 plus hours of, of that race, um, which, which really wasn't by design going in. We, the first lap where we were kind of packed up on the first 14, 
miles or so coming into to transition, um, I, you know, we were all talking and I, I really didn't uh, talk with Tyler too much on that first loop. And it wasn't until um, we got on the first uh, lap of the seven mile loop that we ended up together. And then we kind of just came out of the transition together on the third one. And then I think it was laps uh, four and five, we separated coming out of transition. One time he came out ahead of me. The other time I came out ahead of him, but we somehow found um, like climbed our way back uh, to the other. And then from that point on, we just stayed with each other and through the night, uh, just slowly uh, reeling in uh, Miguel, who just opened up a pretty impressive lead on us um, early and we just kind of stayed together. So it really wasn't by design, but it, it really worked out for both of us um, and turned out to be a pretty cool experience. So that that's like one point that stands out. And then the other point um, that stands out is the, are just the things that were just brutal on every lap that you just kind of, you kind of, uh, you know, dreaded coming up one being the bucket carry mm. and the, uh, the other being the uh, barbed wire crawl. Like those are my two least favorite obstacles on that, uh, on that course. Um, barbed wire crawl you, just in general, was it, and it looked like a hard dirt you were running on mostly was that, was it like a really hard? Yeah. So the barbed wire crawl was, it was fairly high, but it was low enough that it would catch your pack mm. because we had, had to carry so much stuff so that was annoying and then the the surface itself was it had rained the day before so it was muddy but then it, it dried and it was just like it was like uneven cement basically mm-hmm. that it, rolling wasn't an option um crawling you had to be low enough that it was uncomfortable and you kept continue to catch your pack on it so we kind of ended up doing this um not kidding because it was slightly downhill you did a crab walk so you'd go feet first and crab walk down. Really? So your yeah. face would be close to the barbed wire. So you could, like, <laughs> I would never have considered trying to go through it that way. Was that your call or whose, whose innovation was that? I think we, Tyler and I stole it from, uh, it was one of the top females. Uh, okay. I don't know who it was, but we were kind of going laterally um, with our feet kind of down in the divots on the side and, and up on our hands and going laterally. And I think we saw her, she was kind of scooting on her butt and we're like, wow, that's actually a good idea. We'll, we'll give that a shot. And that's what we did in the rest of the race. It's another, it's another tool for your tool belt. Maybe next year's ultra, you can be like, okay, now I know what to do with this hard, uneven mud. How many times did you make it around? Like, so how many bucket carries did you have to face? Uh, I think, so I did 12 loops total. So I think 11, 11 la- uh, bucket carries. Okay. And the way things were kind of structured, the first loop that you guys did was the, was the actual beast course, right? So that was a 13 mile loop. Right. It was the beast course, but we bypassed obstacles for like the first six miles. So you missed a lot of the obstacles that we would hit on that seven mile loop that we did continuously. Oh, I see. So it's like you did the back half of the obstacles one time for the beast course. And then it would be, the rest of the loops were just that the six mile loop. So that's why the bucket carry was only 11. Right. The 12. Yeah. How many, did you throw the spear? Did, was that only on that first loop? No, we did. We threw that thing. Um, 12 times. 
Wow. And you didn't miss? No, 12 for 12. And Tyler didn't miss? Tyler didn't miss 12 That's for 12. Crazy. That's insane. Um, Derek, I was thinking about going through those obstacles. Like, talk about a, a great way to get practice just to get reps in. Could do those in your sleep now. Yep. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, night we threw in all conditions. It, it was windy sometimes. It was, it was dark. It was, uh, warm. Yeah. We, we hit like, you know, just about every, um, season out there on the course. So, you know, I mentioned how you ran with Tyler and Tyler going into it. You know, when you look at the competition and in a race like this, you really can't engage too much. I'd imagine even like with like Miguel going out and, and kind of setting the pace early and, and was his name Max kind of went out with them a little bit. There was a couple of people that kind of ran out in front, but the, when you looked at it on paper, it was probably Tyler was going to be the, the, the greatest competition, right? Like leading into it. So when you guys kind of connect, it's definitely something that stood out while watching it and that the social media was highlighting quite a bit that of you guys are straight up like running together. And did it get to the point, like, say like you made a spear and Tyler would have missed a spear on like, I don't know, the sixth lap or something like that. Would you have waited, you think? Or do you think that like, if the race kind of played out differently, would you have like taking it, taken it? Or would you guys have comfortably run together no matter what? So we had, we discussed that. Um, and both of us went the entire 24 hours, you know, running clean races. So neither one Easy. of us felt, we didn't have to go into it, but we both said like, Hey, if, you know, if one of us uh, misses a spear or, or fails something, just um, like no need to hang back, just go. And it's on that other person to either fight back or we just, you know, run separate races at that point. But that was kind of the agreement that we had um, going in, but we, um, we did throughout, there were times, you know, he would get through an obstacle faster than me, or I would get through an obstacle faster than him. And we just kind of, you know, jog and let the other one like catch up. Like we, um, we were, you know, intentionally waiting for one another, um, on certain obstacles. And so he spent what, 22 hours with the dude. Like when did things, it was the, the very end was when things kind of, you guys came in, did you come in together and you did in a one more loop and he was just cashed or did you kind of pull away from naturally at some point on like the, what would be the 11th loop? Cause you did 12, he did 11. Right. Right. Yep. So coming out of that's when things kind of separate, right. After the 11th loop, you pulled away some and, uh, and then yeah. so kind of the way it worked throughout the race, we had the agreement you know, hey, let's let's work through the night. Let's reel in um, uh, Miguel. Let's open up a, a gap. Um, you know that guarantees us one two in this race. Um, and then let's find like once we can do the math um, and we understand like okay, we have two laps left. As we come into that final transition, when we both have one lap remaining it's game on and we'll just race that last lap. So that was the agreement we had throughout and both understood that. Um, that was like, if we continue to run clean races and we continue to run together um, under that assumption, that was the plan uh, throughout. So about hour 16, we took the lead and we're like, okay, I mean, it looks like it's going to happen um, that we're going to race this thing out in the last lap. 
And it didn't, yeah, okay. So it did kind of come to that, but the lat, but you were able to kind of create enough gap that it was just Tyler. It didn't seem like it was ready to engage in a, in a race like that. And, and I have to ask you, with going through all that, been racing for a long time, just doing a lot of stuff for a long time. Maybe not necessarily racing, but sort of. Did were you feeling competitive at mile at hour twenty two, or was it just like were you ready to? turn that gear on to really push as hard as possible or is it different at the end of an ultra race say that it would even be at a 50 mile race like a jfk or like a beast type of distance where it's it's very present there was the competitive piece always there for you or did you kind of have to like turn your brain off for the majority of this race it was there for me so on on lap 10 we were like all right I said to Tyler, I said, all right, lap 10, we've got 12 laps in us. Like that's where it's going to be. So um, let's go 11 uh, together and then we'll race 12. And at that point, um, you know, Tyler had never, I don't think it had done anything over eight hours to that point. Um, And I mean, we had far surpassed anything, any distance that he had ever done, but he was still, you know, physically very strong um, at that point. And he was just kind of like, you know, I've, I know I've got one more left in me. Um, and, um, I, he's like, I can't even really like fathom or, or think about racing and a, uh, a 12th right now. Like, I'm just, I just need to get through number 11 first. And I was like, all right, completely understand. And at that point I had already, like, I had already prepared myself. Like I'm, I'm going all out on, on 12. Um, so I think we were kind of at, at different points at that point. Um, and so on, on lap 11, as we're going together, Tyler is still pretty strong. He, uh, we're talking about it. And I, I kind of explained to him, I was like, if you come into the pit with me, (laughs) um, at the same time on, on lap 11 and you just say, say you're done. Um, like people are going to be trying to like, shove you out the door big time yeah um, definitely and I said, and he would have gone he definitely would have gone don't you think I, I think so so on the on that descent I you know I was feeling pretty good the sun was coming up um and I just said so I was like I'm going I'm going 12 and like I'm going now and um I kind of just opened up you know a little bit on that descent to try to pull away from him. And then coming into the pit, um, I, I told my wife, I was like, I just want, um, I think it was just a change of gloves at that point. And I'm going out. So I didn't change. I didn't get any food. I didn't change out my, uh, my waters or anything. And I just came into the pit. I changed out my, my passport. I grabbed gloves and I left mm. and like just, just went for it. So, um, I knew if he had like decided to race at that point, it was going to be, <laughs> uh, with the state of our bodies, you know, 24 hours in, it's going to be tough to make up even a, a couple minute gap at that. Right. right. Kind of so, it. so it's very strategic to make it quick, right? You're like, ah, whatever, this is just another six miles. I can do it. doesn't matter that much. It's not a matter of continuing the fuel. It's a matter of getting out of here to kind of put, put that gap on. And it worked, right? I mean, like he, 
Cause who knows if he would have been a little bit closer, if those people, if he, people could have encouraged him out the door, um, chances are, it doesn't sound like he would have been able to respond the way that you're the way that you were, but still is a good move just to, to ensure it. So th- it sounds like you have, you were able to stay like your endurance to stay competitive is really high. Right. And he's doing these overnight events, the things that you have done, but it's not things that you necessarily do regularly. I mean, when was the last 24 hour event that you've done? Or like, uh, I did two in 2018. So it, it, um, a little, a little bit, I'd done some 12 hour stuff, but nothing 24 since 2018. Right. Did the 12, you did the ultra virus, which went really well. Uh, and I mean like, you know, JFK's are 50 milers, but that's only like a what seven miles hour race or something like that. And so is this just something you have that, you know, you can bank on coming back is it's not necessarily a trained skill. Maybe it was trained at one time, but now it's just ever present there. This ability just to stay present and to stay competitive for a long duration of time, because even like you're training, you're not an incredibly high mileage athlete. Right. Like I wouldn't say I, like the way some ultra athletes kind of put their, like you think of Atkins, right. Who's just the, the name in our space who in terms of hours per week, I don't know. What do you think he puts in like 30, 40 hours a week of training of doing aerobic stuff. You're not even close to doing as much volume as he is, but you have this ability to kind of keep going. What do you attribute that to? I mean, I think there, there's something, you know, that's just um, like genetic or, or that just comes naturally to me. But I do remember the first year that I did the best ranger competition. Um, the second night of being awake and having to move through the night, I was, I was in like a survival mode. And then I, I think the, the subsequent three years of doing that, I like built on that knowing I could go, you know, I can go harder this year. And over the four years of doing that competition over, you know, 62 hours instead of 24, um, I knew I had the, like the physical endurance. It was a matter of kind of building that mental um, ability, like you said, to stay competitive all the way uh, until the end. Because I don't think I was always that way. Um I think it's something that has uh, developed with time um, and experience and, uh, and just staying in, you know, staying in the moment and surprisingly 24 hours goes by pretty fast. Uh, <laughs> just kind of like slogging along. Um, I'll take your word on that one. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that 24 yeah. hours goes fast. Something uh, I think about yesterday, there's something about when the lights go out that, almost makes things easier. Uh, for some of us, you just kind of one foot in front of the other and you don't, you don't look at what lies ahead. Um, you just keep moving. And those hours, it was a long night. Um, cause it's almost seven to seven out there. Um, uh-huh. and so it was like almost half the race is in the dark. Um, but to me that, that flew by. Huh? So like, that's, that's interesting that, doing the best ranger competition was almost, it seems like a, like a permanent adaptation that you've been able to kind of take on as opposed to, you know, building your mileage and having your aerobic system come up and then that, that will dip down. And like, you know, adaptations are usually fleeting if you're not maintaining them, but it sounds like 
where you've gone in the past mentally and physically is just something that is driven into you now. Just like, I know I can do this. It's not going anywhere. And it's proof that, you know, the, the first 24 hours race in three years on top of a crazy work schedule, it moved across the country, three, three young children playing soccer, like crazy swimming, doing all the stuff that you're able to kind of still put your head down and call back onto this. I remember one of the first, one of the first early conversations we had, you're like, yeah, actually the ultra stuff is easier for me to train for because I don't need to spend as much time because I'm naturally good at it as opposed to running fast where I got to spend more time doing it. And I was like, my brain exploded. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Like, I don't even understand how that works. Um, So I wasn't necessarily surprised. I mean, I was incredibly happy that, and I'm thrilled for you for that, that race and the way that you executed and the way that it all kind of went down, but I wasn't necessarily surprised that it, that it happened. And one thing that has been almost reoccurring in the national series races on these shorter races is there some sort of lack of execution in one point of the race or, or another. You mean, I think what West Virginia popped a pretty good one. That was pretty clean, right? There wasn't a lot of places that you could look back and be like, Oh, if this, 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 but in a lot of the other races like, Oh, if this, yeah. if this went this way, I like, West Virginia could have had, I could have been in third place in West Virginia. What was that one? Uh, so I came into, I came in in fourth place, the tire right at the end. The and tire. That's right. The tire. Tyler went to burpees and got out in and out pretty fast. So I messed around with it. And then Logan passed me and I finished fifth. That's right. Right. So there's been some sort of execution piece in these national series races that has kind of left some results on the table, but it seems like over the course of 24 hours, everything was executed really well. Did you looking back, was there anything that you would have changed or are you really happy in the execution of things? Because it did seem like, here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to do. And then you just did it. Yeah, I think I'm I'm pretty happy with the with the execution. I think it just shows that um, for me, it, it comes down to flipping the tire um, was really the the big one this year that got me twice. I well, guess in Jacksonville, even yeah, three times, three so. times, yeah. <laughs> um, flipping it once is like even worse than you know not getting it once. Definitely um, happened now a couple times. Um, but uh, I think it just shows that I need to improve when my heart rate is, you know, 170 uh, plus because everything was pretty, you know, pretty comfortable when I can just keep my heart rate in a, in a, in a lower zone and um, just kind of go into everything uh, pretty fresh. I think the only obstacle for me that got uh, difficult throughout the night was, uh, with twister just because it was like really working my hands over, um, in, in the, uh, uh, with the technique that I had started with, I was like, Ooh, my hands are not gonna, gonna last. So I ended up having to like muscle through going backwards, mm. save the hands a little bit, but then obviously fatigue the upper body. So that was one that got, um, increasingly difficult throughout. Um, and then, um, I, I think one thing I would, some glove choice stuff I had, I had a few different options. Some of them worked out really well. And I had one that started out really good. 
but on the Herkoist, I let the, as I was lowering it to the ground, I basically took all the grip off from it without knowing. And you just um, slid through your hands and, and just let it, it was a, they were these uh, thicker kind of winter work gloves um, that I got from Home Depot and they were, they were really, really good. Um, but on one lap, I, when I lowered the bag, I like lowered it through the gloves, um, which just, I didn't I just ruined them. Yeah. I came back the next lap at the Herkoist. I get it about halfway up and I just like the ropes, like sliding through my hands and like Tyler's like standing there, like looking like what's going on. And so he, he goes, that was one of those points where we got separated a little bit. And, uh, finally I looked down at my headlamp at my, at my gloves, like, man, is my, my grip really that gone already and i looked down and there's like um all the grip was just gone from these gloves so i took them off and got it no problem with my with my bare hands um so that was just one lesson learned that i had um a a couple of equipment things and and then yeah for the for the national series type stuff i just gotta i gotta be better at this stuff uh when i'm redlining yeah, I guess it is a different world. Were you monitoring your heart rate at all? Or is there even a place for that? Or is it just like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I just need to make sure I'm like, how do you pay? Like, what was your pacing? Like, how did you know what was appropriate for that, over, for that distance? So uh, one thing that Tyler and I did is, uh, and we, we knew it eventually over time, it was going to work. Uh, some of the, some of the, uh, the, uh, video crew, you know, David ran with me for a little bit. VJ ran for me with a little bit um, on camera early in the race. And they're asking like, you know, we just ran with Miguel. He's like running quite a bit faster than you guys right now. Um, uh, do you think you need to, you know, speed this up? They're kind of like, he's, I think he's going to, he's going to gap you guys pretty good. And I, I just said, you know, this is the pace we're going to run for the next 18 hours. Like, if he can, if he can outlast this, he 100% deserves to win this race. Right. And the Tyler and I found this rhythm where we, we walked the exact same steps every course and we ran the exact same steps every course. It would mm. hit the same lanes every course, like we, every lap. Um, and we just got into this rhythm where um, every lap was done almost I identical and that's why we were so consistent time-wise we would run from you know this point to this point we would walk from this point to this point and uh what we did is we we kind of identified these points where we knew most people are going to walk these especially later in the race and the difference is that every single lap we're going to run that extra 25 yards or um 50 meters here and that's over time, that's going to really make a big difference. And it did. And we were doing that all the way uh, until the next morning. And we, it just became like this natural thing where we would, you know, pop out off the, the single track descent. We'd hit this uh, fire break road. It was a uphill for about 50 meters. And we would run until we hit these, uh, the bottom set of these stairs that were just off to the side. And we did that every single lap. And the, I think it was my 11th or 12th lap I came up on we started uh catching the other white jerseys on like lapping the other white jerseys and as we came up on them sure enough I kind of had like a 
a smile because we popped out on that exact portion and they were all walking it um, as we were running that section. And you know that over 24 hours, that stuff um, makes a huge difference. And was that just like a gut feeling that you guys had? It's like this place, this is a spot where it seems like a logical hiking, walking area. And you're like, let's just see what it's like to run it a little bit. And you're like, ah, this is actually okay. Let's just kind of keep this. So it's just, it just more like a gut feel of what the competition might do in, in those instances. And um, as opposed to like what you guys were going to plan to do. 100%. And, you know, naturally most people, when you hit some of those steep climbs that we had to do, you're going to walk right from the bottom. And we would run the first maybe 20 meters of a lot of them before we started walking. Because people have hard rules, probably. It's like this 24-hour race, I'm hiking every incline. (laughs) So, like, as soon as it starts, I'm sure a lot of people are just like, okay, this is my plan. So, you just kind of, like, the same plan, but just extended it just a little bit. That's that's a good move. It's a good competitive move over the time. Because, And I guess that's something that is also to your advantage, knowing – how time kind of works in these longer distance events and just not having that urgency to, to chase someone like Miguel or something like that, or, or really where things are going to add up over the course of 10, 12 loop race. You know, like, like those are the little things. And that that's kind of an experience uh, thing that comes to play for sure. Um, that the, that you had in your back pocket. Um, and then nutrition wise, you were just good. Yeah, nutrition-wise, I think uh, I got a lot of calories in early. Uh, knowing that late in these races, a lot of times I, I don't really want to eat too much. Um, but uh, I got in enough early that then I could rely mostly on liquid calories for uh, the back half of the race. And, uh, yeah, I actually – so we, we made – we pre-made, I think, five different belts that I was going to change out with for each lap and then i would generally eat a um you know some whole food between uh, at each transition i would try to eat some whole food well after the second lap when i changed into my belt i ended up with that belt the entire (laughs) rest of the race i never i didn't eat anything out of it um and i just turned to eating whole food on at every transition area and uh um, liquid calories that we changed out after every lap. And that's, that's what worked for me, but I kind of went in a little bit, um, with more food in my stomach than I normally do. And then early on, I was, I was eating those first two laps, uh, pretty consistently every, every half hour I was either, um, eating some baby food, eating, um, a bar of some sort or, uh, soup, the one thing we did find is, and this was across the board, like talking to a lot of different people is a lot of the staples at that altitude didn't work. Huh. So one thing, um, the, for me, I came in and got a peanut butter and jelly. I tried to walk and eat it on, I think it was lap three. And there's something about, like, I could not get that. It's too dry. Is, it, is your mouth too dry? Yeah. I, I was like walking and, um, I could not get that thing down. It took me almost like a mile to eat like a half of a peanut butter and jelly. When I came in, I was like, Oh, nix the peanut butter and jelly. Like not again. Huh? That's interesting. Yeah. And and I think Rhea said she had the same issue, like uh, with a lot of the foods that she 
cheat. So we, most of us went to more liquid type, um, calories. Yeah. I guess it, yeah. At a race at that altitude, I can't imagine that you would even think that that might happen. This ultra stuff. So crazy. <laughs> you just like learn different things. So do you have five belts now? Do you own five different belts? Yeah. You have to like store all of these belts. Like they have to go someplace in your house. Closet <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that, uh, that I'm allotted to ultra to yeah i did one 50k spartan ultra and i have a bunch of stuff that i'll probably never use ever again just for like this one 50k one i can't imagine for a 24-hour race what that would kind of be like um so dude like really really awesome really pumped for you like the world championship title so cool do you wish atkins was there yeah i do i mean that's that's what really brings me back to the the national series events and and really spartan in general is it's it's got the the best competition out there and mm-hmm. that's really where i want to see where i i stack up um and i'm hoping i do get the opportunity to go against him in a in a 24-hour event when i'm you know when i'm fit and uh because uh, i i think i could probably give him a a, a pretty good run for his money um, if i have enough time to to prepare myself you would think so i mean you set the mileage record right which in previous races it was very snow snowy like they would run on snow right but they weren't at well how high were you guys like eight thousand feet like the, the transition at 95 oh my god um, that's crazy i think we got up to uh, maybe 11 yeah I think. Yeah. So, I mean, like there's no, there hasn't been a course that's been demanding on that end, but it's like just different demands for sure. So I would love to see that happen as well. Hopefully next year or at some point there, there'll be something similar to that. What do you got next? What are you shutting it down? What are you thinking for the remainder of 2021? I I honestly don't know. I'm, I feel really good and it's tempting to try to, to go out for world service mutter, but it just (sighs) doesn't make, yeah. right now um and my workload i'm i'm going to the field for an exercise for the next two weeks so i'll be working like a night shift like nine to nine in the field and sleeping in on the ground <laughs> not, not ideal, a couple weeks ahead of a 24-hour race after coming off another 24-hour race so i don't i doubt i'm going to show up tyler and i are considering the the two-man relay um but that's uh still up in the air right now um and then yeah i don't i don't know i think i'll probably start transitioning to some more speed work um with my uh with we know less time on the schedule right now so i think i'm going to do the i've got until the end of november to knock out the virtual army 10 miler i'll probably not doing it no matter what (laughs) magita says i'm not doing it i can't until you have to end of november oh okay Still not yeah. doing it. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll probably you know knock that out, and then I think there's a a Deca. Is there a Deca in Denver in March? Mm-hmm. You gonna do it? Yeah, I think I'm gonna. Sweet. I'm gonna you know prepare for some of that stuff, and and I'll be prepared for Jacksonville if I can get there. Um, I think that's the plan right now. That'll be fun to come from altitude to a sea level race because you haven't done that yet right? Since you've lived in, in the Springs, you've been, you've had two altitude races. So it'd be cool to come down back to the swamp 
breathe all that thick air. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, from what I hear from everyone out here, especially VJ said, it feels really good, uh, to come down to, to race. So I might give that a shot. And then I think in another opportunity that's out there is there's a Cape fear 51, um, an ultra in North Carolina. Mm. I think it's in the uh, outer banks in March timeframe, but it's a, uh, if you win that it's automatic qualifier for bad water, which oh. would just be, you know, kind of one of those bucket list races that would be pretty, pretty neat to have on the resume. I mean, it'd be cool to, to explore that route, like going in these t- longer races with just runners and seeing how you, like hang against that type of competition as opposed to like one of these OCR events or, or a uh, best ranger type competition where there's different elements. Like let's just see how you stack up just on your feet for that long. I'm sure you do great, but it's a matter of just getting there. Um, any Abu Dhabi? Uh, I mean, Spartan talks to me a little bit about it. I, I don't know if it's a possibility with work, um, but I think if the opportunity presents itself, I would, I would at least um, give the opportunity the ar- or the army the opportunity to tell me no. I'll, I'll at least <laughs> inquire about it. Yeah, um, I haven't been, you know, given the hundred percent offer um, at this point, so that's probably unlikely. Um, but it'd be fun it, if the army would let me do it. I would. I'd be there in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, it'd be cool. And then, okay, so we'll just be on the lookout for that type of stuff. And then maybe it just seems like 2022 is going to be where the focus is, huh? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if there's um, much going on out here um, in the winter, but it's probably good to let the body recover. Um, I usually don't. uh, These are usually the points when I I have an overuse injury is Mm. coming up long events and I jump back into it too soon. So I think this field exercise is, is probably a good thing for me to force me to, to take the, the rest that's uh, required after these events. Yeah. Before your body forces you. I'm glad work, I'm glad work's doing it for you this time. Yeah. Um, but it's cool, man. World championship to your name. Good payday. Really cool. Like to see you thrive in those elements man I'm, I'm really pumped for you so congrats on that a million times i really appreciate that all right dude well thanks for taking the time i'll let you get back to, to dad life and uh, talk to you soon everyone's up all right yeah great talk to you rich thanks again all right any doobie what's going on how are you hi rich doing well how are you <laughs> Doing great. I'm excited to dive into this race. It didn't get a chance to see it. And it's interesting as I shot you a message, I think on Monday or something. And I was just like, awesome job. Second place. And it, just like the, the, the contrast between how I, how like my reaction was in Utah and now in big bear is just like, Oh yeah, this is just any ran a race. And in Utah, it was like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And I was just like, <laughs> so how are you feeling overall with the race? Uh, I feel really good. Like it was by far the best that like it could have gone. Um, I think I ran, I re- I feel like I ran really well. Like I ran smart and my body somehow held up, which was like the biggest stress coming into the race. Just having like a foot issue 
Um, I like had felt fallen on my shoulder like a week before. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There were just like multiple factors coming into it that were unknown. And um, so to like feel pretty strong that day was nothing short of a miracle. And then I just kind of like use the first climb, I would say like when I, when I was warming up, I felt pretty good. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to work the climb. And like, if my body falls apart later on, on the descents, like, so be it, at least I milked what I could out of the race. So that's kind of what I did. And, um, luckily I held it together pretty well. <laughs> so when let's talk about the foot thing, cause we, we've talked about it a while. And then it, when did that first pop up for you and you've had it, you've had a diagnosis. So tell us a little bit about like what it is and, when it started, because it's been something you had it at Tahoe, so you had it at Broken Arrow as well. Was it around in West Virginia also, or did it start right around that time? Like, how long has this foot thing been going on? Yeah, I want to say it was like after West Virginia. It might have even been a little bit before that, but I remember coming home after West Virginia and thinking like something. Just the terrain was really gnarly, like. I thought I just, you know, bruised my foot like on a rock or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Um, and then it kind of like settled down after that, like, like gave, gave it a little rest and let it settle down. And then um, <clears throat> ramping up for Tahoe, like I would have like minor pain, but nothing, nothing like even worth me, like getting it looked at, to be honest. It was just like, okay, I'd ice it here and there. And and feel fine it, it might feel bad like in the first few minutes of my runs and stuff but otherwise it was okay and then um it was at the end of the of the spartan race in tahoe where i knew something was wrong like during the race where i was you know going down that first descent and every step was like sharp shooting pains in my like in the toe part of my foot and then even worse was like going back up the second climb um that like super steep grade it was just like I was almost like my I, I mean it was like a power hike but I was like trying to not even put any weight on that foot like I was like hobbling up that mm. up that second climb and then I kind of just let it fly on the way down and like just like hoped that it would relax after that but it didn't really and then yeah i raced again in broken arrow and i somehow got through the race but like it was miserable the whole time and it's a uh, morton's neuroma right is what we're is what yeah, yeah that's what it ended up being they thought like it could have been a stress reaction um but there was no bone issue on the mri it was just like this neuroma between two of my toes um it actually looked pretty funny in the image but um yeah it's it's just like a a very common from what my doctor says it's like a very common overuse injury typically with like especially with like trail running where you're putting mm. pounding on like rough terrain um and it can oftentimes lead to something like a stress fracture so it has to be monitored pretty well when i used to work in in like footwear stores or with that with a footwear company i used to hear that all the time someone would come in and they had a, a morton's and roman they would just look for why like a more open spacey or toe box type of thing is what they would typically want just so there'd be like less pressure around their toes so when you're when you're running is it hurt is it hurting on impact or is it when you're kind of towing off 
to go through or is just like constant pain? It's both. It's like, yeah, I, yeah it's either like, I think what usually triggers it is just like stepping on a rock, like right under my, it's like the pain is in the metatarsal area. So if I like step on a rock funny on that area, it just like, it actually sends this like really horrible shooting pain, like instantly like up my whole foot. And then like, even into my leg. Because like it, it's nerve stuff, right? Is that what that was? That what it looked like? Is it like a bundling of nerves? It's like a ball, like a white on the MRI. I mean, I had like a black and white MRI, but like it looks like a ball in between. It's like in the webbing right near the metatarsal. Yeah. Can, is it like, can you touch it? Like, can you feel it if you're poking at it? Yeah. Well, if, it, if I, if I like press around on my metatarsal, there's like one area where it like, if I press on it, it's kind of tingly, but it's not like painful, really. It's it's really interesting. I've never had an injury like this. That shooting pain must be it's, it's like, even though it's not like every step or something, it's still like, I hope it doesn't hurt real bad this time. I hope I don't get it this time. I hope it like, it's just yeah. that constant thought of just trying to avoid that pain. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the worst part of it is just like, I go out for a run even now, like today, and it's on my mind. Like I just, I'm just waiting mm -hmm. for it to happen the whole time. And luckily today I had no shooting pain, but like, I think, I think with every step, there's a chance it might happen. And so I'm like, I think I'm like kind of altering my gait a little, which is not great. And, um, just like, tr like babying it. And that was like the thing in, in big bear too, just like being cognizant of not like making, trying to not make it worse, but also trying to like race. So you're like, I mm -hmm. feel like running like way too conservative, especially on like the steep downhills. So let's get into the race then. So the, it looks like the course itself, I do have the map up. Uh, I didn't get a great chance to really look at it a ton, but it, it was basically two big climbs, right? Is uh, that? So it was like one big climb right off the bat. Mm -hmm. You go down like a decent amount, um, maybe like halfway. And then you go, it's like kind of like up and then down and then another big up. So it's okay. Like a big up with like a little blip in the middle. Is that, okay. So was it, and from what I, what I remember of Big Bear was the beast in 2019 is, you know, it's just incredibly steep, you know? It, and was it that same type of steepness on this? Like, were you hiking a quarter of the way up that first climb or did it take take some time to like, get pretty steep toward the top or is it just steep the whole way up it was pretty steep from the get-go um i was like i would say i was like shuffling up most of it like i was <laughs> running but like really slow and then anytime it would like kind of flatten out and try and just like run a little bit and then it was like and then towards the top you're more like power hiking a little bit running a little bit and you you took it out right yeah what was uh what was the idea behind that same kind of thing as West Virginia where it's like I feel good so this is my pace I'm just running my pace. Yeah, I would say like I said like I warmed up really well. I think I was the only person who started that race like in a full sweat. Like most of these girls were like on the starting line like shivering and I was like taking off late. like I made last minute wardrobe changes cuz I was like this sun is hot and like I had been warming up for like an hour. And so I think that really helped me just like get, a, get a little bit of confidence in my foot and like, know that 
it was feeling pretty good that day. So I was just going to like milk that and say, okay, it feels good right now. So I might as well push it. Cause like, I know that there was a, ch I knew that in my mind there was a chance it could fall apart. Like it did in broken arrow where like I got towards the top of the, the, the major climb. And as soon as the grade got way too steep, I had to just like, I had no choice. I had to just dial it back. And so I was like, if I'm feeling good, I'm going to go for it. So was that the idea behind that longer warm up to just see how it was feeling? Was it yeah. all around your foot? You're like, let me just go and, and just have a really good understanding. Like not if I run 10 minutes, maybe I don't step on a rock or something like that. But if you're warming up for that long, it sounds like you had a good, a good sense of how the, how the day was going to be. Yeah. Another thing is like with this and just with me in general, when I'm, when my feet are cold, I tend to have like some nerve, like tingly stuff going mm. on. So with that, it was really, really cold that morning. I was warming up in like puff, a puffy coat and like rain pants. Like I was, I was like sweating by the time I got out of that because it was, it was probably like in the low thirties or high twenties when we got there. And then, mm -hmm. Um, and then it warmed up really quick. So I just wanted to get like warm basically and have none of that like cold feet feeling when I got to the starting line. It's a good idea. That was a, that was a smart move to do that. Um, and because when you started and the sun was out, were you cold at all during the race? No, no, well, no. Dunk wall and then I, I was, that's at the end, right? After yeah. That. <laughs> That was your that was your Tahoe 2019 redemption. We'll just say that that that's that counted as as the payback from from that. Um, it looks like most of the obstacles were, were. I mean, kind of how Spartan races have been. They're bundled pretty heavily at the end. But as you're heading up, um, what what is it like? When are you, are you you're kind of solo for a while? Is Lindsay right there with you, or how it is? How are you? How, how's like the race playing out? Yeah, I would say, yeah, that first climb was pretty long. It was a lot of just like hiking and running up that hill for a while. There weren't any obstacles. Um, Lindsay was right behind me, I think, most of it. And then we get to the top, it flattens out a bit, and then you go into the sandbag, which is like hmm. uh, a short but steep uphill and then downhill. And, um, I like kind of like struggled on it actually. I like I got one of those bags. You know how like some of the bags, at least for the women, are super uh, like I don't know. The bag I had was like it was all the sand was on one side, and so when I threw it over my shoulder, it was like falling down, and I couldn't mm. like, distribute the weight evenly. Um, so I was like fumbling with it so much coming up that climb. But it was short enough that like I didn't want to take the time to stop and mess with it. I was just kind of like awkwardly climbing with it, and then Lindsay passed me coming down that uh, the sandbag carry. What's typically your uh, method of sandbag carry? Like, there's a couple. Do you try to get evenly distributed on each side, or try to have like all of it on your back? Or so I like to ball it up and stick it like across my shoulders. Um, do you have, or is it just however you, whatever you get? Cause, and on a cold day, it's that sand or dirt or whatever in there, in there, it becomes really hard yeah. and like, it's hard to kind of move around sometimes. Um, but do you have a preferred way of doing it? What's like, what do you typically, if you could choose? 
Um, I typically, I would say I typically like hold it. I like having my hands on the ends, um, like over both shoulders. But I would say that I think what threw me off maybe was um, that like in most of the series races this year, the sandbags have been like pretty full um, and like heavy. And so when they're really heavy like that, I think it's actually easier to have it like over your back. Um, mm. But it was a lot less full this time and probably a lot lighter, but it was just more awkward. Like it was like swinging over my shoulder and then this side was like empty so it was just like banging against my shoulder the whole time um, it's way harder to run it's like harder to do anything uh, uh, but they also uh, this like they're having this crazy issue with the sandbags that i found out the day before the race where like they can't get enough of them mm -hmm. i don't know if it's like they're on a boat somewhere or like they just they're having a supply chain issue but um both in Tahoe and Big Bear, they didn't have enough bags. And so they basically short, they made the sandbag carry like much, much shorter. Mm. They were worried that the men wouldn't have enough, like there would be like not enough bags for everyone to get through it. Um, oh, I see. That makes sense why it's short. Cause I know that's something that they have dealt with, especially the longer ones. like. In this side of the country with Palmerton, they used to have like this ridiculous, it's a super long, like really steep, takes forever. But yeah, I've heard stories of people just like, they just run out because they sit there and wait. So it makes sense why they would make them shorter. Yeah, I think that had been happening in the Beast, so. Oh. Change it last minute, yeah. Hmm. I guess that makes sense. I guess that's one way to work around it. Um, and so after this, it's a big, it's a relatively big descent here. And is the foot still holding up or are you still like, or are you worried about this descent? Because it's, is one worse than the other? Like, it sounds like steep ups are bad, but also steep downs are bad for the foot. So what are you thinking at this point now that, and now that like Lindsay's kind of engaged in, in a race and uh, kind of put a move on, was there uh, a, a, like a response from you or what are you thinking at this point? Yeah, she, <laughs> I don't know. When Lindsay passes you going down a hill, it's like, I don't know. It's hard to, it's, it's mentally really tough because she just like whizzes by and it's like, I swear it was like a cartoon. Like she whizzed by, it was just like a poof of like dust. Flying. I was like, then she was gone. And her dust, like, like literally. Um, I was coughing for like days after that race. <laughs> It's like a special move she has, like a video game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the true test, I think, for, for me. I was, like, very, very nervous on those steep descents. Um, like, like those descents are gnarly, whether you're mm -hmm. not. And so, like, having that foot thing going on, I was, like, I was definitely, like, babying it a little bit. Um, but also just, like, I, I don't know. I feel like I was pushing it. I just... She has another gear that I don't on those. Um. Yeah, and that's kind of how a race like that is going to would play out with those type of steep downhills. And they're not necessarily technical, right? They're just really steep. Like you're not through, are you on trails really? Or, or aren't they on a ski mountain? Yeah, they're technical, but in a very different way than like a Tahoe. Like it's like you're going down 
just very yeah so like most of the descending i would say would be just down like the ski runs um where like it's actually the ground one thing that i was thrilled about was that i had forgotten was how like soft and mm -hmm. the ground is there so that was actually like playing to my advantage but um but there's like these i don't know what causes it but there's the, these like holes or like soft spots on the on the ski run where like if you land funny like you kind of sink into it so it's like ankle biting like the whole way down even though it's not like necessarily rocky or rooty it's just you're like you're you're still twisting your ankle on that kind of stuff that was something i've never experienced is running and having the ground sink under me on a downhill it, it it's like like the first time i happened at big bear like it was like i, I kind of paused and i was like wait where am I stepping? How am I supposed to know what to do here? So, and then those, you're saying it leaves kind of divots there as well. Can you see, could you see the divots or yeah. were you just like worried or could you just feel them? But sometimes no, like it's, you can, you can't really tell where, like where it's going to happen. Cause it will be like, I don't know, like it will, you might even like pass like a little hole in the ground, but that's like, even if you go over that, like you're, you're still going to sink a little bit. So, <sighs> I don't know. It's so weird. Did you remember that? Did you, were you like, or was it that first descent? You're like, oh, right. This is well, weird. I, I ran a little bit of the course the day before. And, um, so I was reminded of it. That yeah. Day. Yeah. And then I guess there's nothing really to do. Right. Like, how do you account for that? You just hope. Yeah. There was definitely a few times where I would like, um, like I like tripped a little bit and I would like go flying <laughs> and like, catch <laughs> I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever like went down, but like I definitely tripped several times and was like rolling my ankle a little bit here and there. But otherwise I think it's just like, like kind of like let it, same thing I was saying in Utah, like you kind of have to be a little bit ballsy and like hope for the best. Cause if you're breaking, like you're going to shred your legs on that. Mm -hmm. Like your quads will be destroyed. So yeah. So it's almost like no choice at that, at, at that point. You're like, let's just go for it. Yeah. It's terrifying. Like it's really yeah. scary. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. It's technical, but not how you're used to it being. And it is scary. <laughs> it, it, like it feels like you should be able to run well on that, but yeah, it's, it's definitely scary. Um, and then you head, so you head back up with this, this section that's kind of up and down, yeah. uh, where, where you're past now, uh, where are we? Um, pipe layer, there was Olympus and pipe layer. Um, when the, were the obstacles a problem? Was it dr so dry? Was it the same type of thing as like Tahoe where there wasn't much to really worry about on the obstacles like Olympus or anything? So the one thing about the obstacles in Big Bear, and this is, I think every, every year, is that they there's no flat ground so mm. everything is on a usually like a decline like a decline so like olympus you're going downhill the thing that i thought was the hardest was z wall going downhill hmm. um, towards the end of the race i felt so super sketchy on that like it was like you are very much working against gravity um and sometimes it gets can like be pitched like left to right. So like you're, you're either like, yep. like holding yourself up. If you pick the wrong side, uh, was it the same way like that? There's not really, it's, 
you're either getting like it's either harder on the beginning or on the end it's i don't think the blind curve you mean like if it's yeah if it's downhill that blind curve is gonna yeah kind of shoot you off the end lane stupidly that was like it was like easier on the first side and then like you make the blind turn and then i'm suddenly on (laughs) it i was like oh damn it like i was just looking at it from the start not like thinking about it at the end Um, yeah do you always do the same way through z wall are you always like left uh, hand first that's a good question i think i usually just pick whatever's like in the sun or like not on a hill Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're crafty enough, like just with your bouldering ability that like, I feel like it wouldn't necessarily matter where some people need to be like, I need to go my left hand first and have my right, my strong arm anchor me or, or, or vice versa or something like that. No, I'm not like that, but I, I would say on Olympus, I typically go left first. I think. Left first. Okay. Um, they had that cool video of you on, uh, Instagram charging toward the box. It looked like you were going to slam into the box. Yeah. <laughs> going down. Very steep descent. <laughs> Very steep. And that was that that was when you were going back up, right? It went up and then kind of shot back down. Is that where that was? When Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you went Yeah, after pipe layer, it's like a pretty big up to a twister, I think. Like a long. Okay. Yep. I think that's actually the biggest climb of the whole race and then and then it went down i think yeah it's kind of what it looks like and then it then it it sent you the bender okay got it and then so that was the top and you turn back around a bender and you kind of scream back down that's the top top yeah yeah after um what was after that I'm kind of getting confused on here because this the, this kind of like intersects a lot with the beast. It looks like so. Also, the um there were a lot of changes. That map that wasn't accurate. Like okay, monkey bars I think was in the beginning on that, but really they were at the very end. Mm. And then I think like Bender wasn't on there, but it was. We did do Bender. That's like yeah. That's what I mean. like Bender's on the beast course, but it's also at a point where the beast and the uh, yeah. Uh, super kind of converge, so they were like, "Ah, we'll just send them over it." And like, it, it was like right before the summit. So like, in the beast, instead of going right at the summit, they went left towards that. Remember that like lake area? Yep. Um, but we just went right, did did uh, beater Sparta, and then went down the mountain. Got it. And Sparta that did not have the rock holds right for a super. It didn't. For like the first time this year, I think. Really, they had they had them um, during, they had the rock holds at like, Asheville. I think so. Did it? I'm trying to remember. Because um, usually that, that's like you know they the beast level, like how they'll have, on like a super it'll be rings pipe rings for the multi rig, but on the beast it's rings pipe ropes. For. So usually in a super, they don't have the rock holds. Yeah, maybe maybe Asheville didn't. I don't know. I can't remember either. But I don't know. I don't think anybody missed it there at Asheville. Would people would have definitely missed it at Asheville if it was rock holds? Yeah. All right. Yeah, the Asheville and the West Virginia kind of blend together. Yeah, <laughs> kind of the same, <laughs> same <laughs> same exact weather, same terrain. Yeah. 
like wet. Yeah. Yeah. How was that second descent then? That descent was good just because like I knew I was going down and like that I didn't have to go back up again. I like had I I knew coming down that mountain that I had like a lot of obstacles to get through. So I think there was a part of me that was just like like mentally preparing for that and like conserving a little bit of energy. Um, and I would hear like, I, I want to say they were saying when I got to the top, I was like 50 seconds behind Lindsay. And then I hit monkey bars and it, that gap widened to like a minute and a half. So I was like, Ooh, that sucks. And so I did like, I don't know. I definitely was pushing it to try and like close the gap back again. Um, especially knowing, like, I feel like obstacles, I can make up time. Um, mm -hmm. like if I can get that gap down to like a minute or less, I think I have a chance here. Um, especially with the spear coming up. Um, mm -hmm. that was kind of like my goal, but then I think Lindsay just flew through everything. So <laughs> I mean, that's great to hear that because my, my, I was thinking like, okay, where's the rest of the race, but you were very much the races ahead of you. Let's try to close this gap and, and like, yeah, it's so obstacle dance and that stuff had been something that you've consistently been able to make up ground against anybody really for the entire season and anything can happen in those instances. And Lindsay hasn't been perfect on, on obstacles this year by far, by any means, but behind you, it didn't seem like anybody was really around were you surprised that there wasn't more like more of a, a race between uh you and the rest of the field for that second spot um yes and no i think i definitely thought that that gap behind me would have been smaller but um but at the same time i don't know i feel like I'm just like, this is kind of a race that like, if I'm feeling good, I'm probably going to do pretty well and like be somewhat competitive with Lindsay. Um, especially having, I think I also just feel like I benefited from like racing back to back weekends at altitude. Mm. Like I was fairly acclimated. So was she. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that kind of showed. So I don't know. Yes and no. It's like hard because you figure just the, I guess the closest thing to this race that we've seen would have been that Utah race, which was June, July, uh, July, I think. Um, I'm actually, I think it is July. I think it's like July 18th or something like that. When it's a week after Palmerton, so, and that's a little bit longer, but the and and where how the race and the series kind of shook out between second, third, between you and Rose, right? So Rose would, is definitely going to be at, we figured Rose was going to be here at big bear. Like that was going to be a big race for her to, she would need to displace you if she wanted to get second for the entire series. So in my head, I was like, I figured she's going to be aggressive. She's going to be there and it's a shorter race. I don't know who's that plays necessarily in favor for historically, you would think, Rose would be better at the short distances, but this is such a mountain course. So it's hard to really tell. And she came on strong in that Utah beast to kind of close the gap. So I was thinking, I, I just assumed she would just be there, but that like wasn't the case at all. <laughs> yeah. You know? So 
were yeah, you a really strong race in Vermont? So yeah, yeah, I, th- I definitely thought like there was a chance we'd be together at the gauntlet, like like kind of like battling it out. And honestly, like I wish we were. Like I think that would have been super fun. Like if either I had been like slightly closer to Lindsay, or if Rose and Alex had been like closer to me. Like I think like watching that men the men's finish like after the fact was like probably the most exciting race I've ever seen in this sport. And like, it'd be fun to be like in that. <laughs> it's hard to get though. It's hard to get like these photo finish, like race to the finish. I mean, you had one in Asheville. That was probably, yeah, that's true. And, <laughs> and that was one with like an actual run. Like this is weird. Cause like a barbed wire crawl was rolling through the barbed wire. Yeah. Just like rolling as fast <laughs> as they can. Sketchy. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like being completely reckless on something like that. that's where Hosick busted his head yeah. <laughs> two two years ago on this sprint. Oh, two years, yeah. Two years. Ago. I think Josiah or someone else was like bleeding like a lot. Really? Because <laughs> he was in a close race too, I believe, right? That whole top three or the four, top, I think, was pretty close. Like, I wanna say the top four all came into um, like whatever it was, helix and rope climb, like together. That's so cool. It was like very, very close. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, I kind of expected it to be how it, it was in Utah for at least you and Rose to be like kind of battling it out, but it really wasn't. So how was that fun? How was that final gauntlet? It was good. It was, um, I felt like I was, smooth um but i also really struggled on the bucket carry like it was a doozy like i felt like as soon as i picked up the bucket i was like light like i felt like i was gonna fall over um it was super steep like going up that hill and the bucket was heavy it was just like a combination of everything like Mm -hmm. and running up and down that mountain like at a hard effort it just it kind of destroyed me, but, um, but otherwise I would say it went as well as it could have been. Like, I think when you're on your own like that and like knowing Lindsay was probably too far to catch, um, it, it's not as exciting just cause like, you know, I'm still going to be aggressive and stuff, but if I have someone next to me, like I'm much more aggressive and like taking more risks and all that. Um, so you almost have to be, yeah, you have to be a little bit more conservative, right? You can't make a mistake. Like that's yeah, kind of what you're racing for. I definitely like took my time at the sphere. I was like, this isn't worth it to like, like the seconds I'm going to make up here aren't going to be the, like the, the break between like first and second, like, cause I knew Lindsay had already made her. So I was like, just take my time, get the sphere get through the bucket without passing out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, nailed the spear though. Yeah. Your, your spear percentage is probably pretty solid after a rocky start. I think there was an, what, over three start to the season as a whole. You've been pretty good since 30 before that. Like, it was over, like, just never made one. <laughs> never made the spear. Just go. <laughs> the only person to skip, go straight to burpees from the spear. Be like, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, but it's been pretty solid since. I mean, what was the last time you missed? Did you hit in West Virginia? I don't. I missed, 
on the, the second day in in West Virginia, but I've, I haven't missed it in a series race since Jacksonville. Sweet. Yeah. Really solid. It's good hard work paying off. Um, and then, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, after Bucky, that was kind of it, right? That was kind of the, that was kind of the whole deal. Well, did you do nutrition on the, in this race? What was your, what was your plan for that? How long did the whole thing take you? Uh, an hour and 21 minutes. Okay. So I was, the cool thing was both Lindsay and I were top 10 overall. I saw that like six or seventh, right? Uh, no, she was eighth and I was ninth. Yeah. Okay. So it's still up there. That's really solid. Yeah. So with some big names. So that was cool. Um, but anyways, yeah, I did nutrition. I brought, I, my goal was to try and take two gels. I took one, which like, I was happy with there wasn't as much water as I thought there'd be on course or maybe I was just like I want to say like some of them were on the descents and like I'm not like stopping for water like when I'm bombing down these crazy descents so I I think I only got water like once or twice um which felt like I would I was definitely like looking for it towards the end I was like where is the water because it's super dry and dusty there and like mm. it's very hard to get a gel down without like any liquid um, mm-hmm. but. so looking back what is is there anything that you think you could have done better or things that you wish you could change about the race itself or any any reflections on that i mean hindsight's 2020 but like i think had i known that my foot would hold up so well, I probably would have been more aggressive on the descents. But it's like hard to say that I would change that without having that information. Um, otherwise, I think I was like really proud of the way I ran. And like, I, th- I don't know, I think I, I did what I was capable of and like gotta be happy with that. And I ran pretty slow. It seems like that was the case. You just, yeah did what you could do. You ran your race the way that you wanted to run it and it, everything played out the way that we figured it would have. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> nice job. Um, so what do you got next? So I am going to take a little break and try and like, just like let my foot heal a little bit. And then I'm, I mean, I definitely have my eye on Abu Dhabi. I have like no, Apparently, like, people have been contacted about it. I'm not one of those people. So, like, I have to either figure that out on my own or try and, like... Do you think that's, do you think that's because you're not on the pro team that doesn't even exist anymore? Because, I don't like, that might be something people um, don't know. Like, you're not... Are you on... You're not technically on the pro team, right? I'm not technically on the pro team, but that email was sent to 300 people. So, it's a little bit... Um, obnoxious i think that like there's so many people like that aren't even i don't know like it sounds like a lot of these people are just like influencers or whatever who are going and um, no really yeah so uh that's like it's been my nightmare that that this is something we've had to deal with this this past year and a half or two years that like the actual athletes are not getting the support it's just like people who don't even run the races. Like they, they, like that was something before Tahoe. This guy was like, 
bounding up and down this the mountain and like showing all these these tips these pro- i was like how'd this guy do in the race he didn't even freaking run the thing like who is this person yeah. why is why is he on this thing uh that's something that, that's a completely different route um like i have i have no problem with like people like that getting invited as long as all of the top athletes are also being like supported and helped with like the travel and stuff like it's I think it's great for if they, if they're going to help grow the sport, then like send them like I'm all for it. But like that doesn't that shouldn't come at the cost of like not having like top people in in the world coming. Like that seems crazy to me. It's they just keep doing this thing where they try to legitimize the sport without like the sport without like the sport proving to have interest to the public. They're trying to facilitate. That's kind of what they did in the early days, like these NBC races that they would have and having the pro team before there really needed to be a pro team. They're like, Oh, look how legit this sport is. It's brand new. And I was like trying to grab influencers and stick them into it. And do people not understand that influencers are being paid to promote things? Like are people follow? Like eventually it's not going to work. Influencer marketing. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Ugh, well, that's annoying. So hopefully that that things kind of fall through because they're influenced people are like you want me to do what? I can't do that. And they <laughs> and they do come back to you because I mean if anyone deserves to be there, you it, it's it's you, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure I'll figure it out. I'm not like too worried about it, but it's just it's just frustrating. Yeah. What are flights looking like? Have you been looking? I have not. I, I had goals to do that this week and that just kind of didn't happen. So hopefully in the next few days, I figure that out. But, um, but yeah, I'm definitely thinking about that. I, um, yeah. And then maybe like, I don't know, there's a bunch of races here, like locally, um, over the next month or two. So I might like pop into one of those just as training and stuff. But, um, but that's it. Like I've had a really long season and like, even if it ended with that, like I'd be happy. I think I'm ready for a break. And I think just knowing that, I don't know, I have a lot to think about with next year, like with the schedule already like sort of being released, mm-hmm. being that it starts in February, I'm like questioning if I want to really go through that again, or if I want to like pick and choose um, because it just seems I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if like it's worth it for me to like forego a real off season to try and like all of these like crazy. And you're in a much different position going into 2022 than leading into this year, you know, 2019 sort of all over the place for you. A couple of good races, but a couple things that you know, you had, like kind of question marks around 2020 wasn't a season. And then this year it's like, okay, let's do, let's just get reps. And, and as things start to go well, it's like, let's see how well this thing can keep going, you know, but now it's, it's since you've been able to do it over and over, like, yeah, do you have to go to Jacksonville in February to do a sprint in like the mud? I'm like, no, <laughs> but, and <laughs> what's that? It's like the last thing I want to do catch the manatees though yeah. maybe maybe go a week earlier i could go back to the manatees yeah <laughs> um well cool well yeah you've you've held held together this whole season 
shoulder injury somehow, foot <laughs> stuff, stung by bees, lots, <laughs> lot, lots of lots of things to get through. It felt like it was bent. It felt like it was a long road that way, just staying healthy to get through, but you did it. So, <laughs> well, congrats on awesome season. Second place overall in the series is pretty freaking cool. Pretty awesome. All these finishes all the year have been really, really fun and impressive to watch. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, we'll, we'll make sure we know, we know where you'll be headed next and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. We are on. Logan, hello. What's up? Oh, hey, Rich. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. So I'm act excited. Like let's act like we haven't been talking the past five minutes. I know. I should just start it. I should just get, give people the, <laughs> the the realness, that raw, uncut stuff, talking oh. about physical inventory. People want to know. Oh, man. They would, they would, uh, they'd be switching the channel pretty quick, I think. I'd have to, like, tag different topics or different categories retail inventory categories and podcasts to get those listeners up to reach the people that really want to know that kind of stuff, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So this past race, you, you hopped into big bear and you I think you somehow, I don't know. Do you think you made this race more difficult than OCR world championships on yourself? Or was it less difficult in terms of the outside factors from the race itself. Yeah. What, what was a more challenging race to go into this one or yeah. OCR world championships? This one was a hundred percent more difficult. This, <laughs> one like, this one was like, the first one was irresponsibility. This one was stupidity. Um, <laughs> in all, in all, all aspects. I should, I should not, I should not have been at this one. Can't, can't help yourself. Can't say no, which, which we, which we appreciate about you. Yeah. I love my friends. I love seeing my friends. I love racing my friends. Um, yeah. So that's why I was there, but, uh, but Hey, you know, I had a great time. I had a great time. So at OCR world championships, you had a, a ton of travel that led to that. You know, there was some other stuff that is in the, in the mix in like your regular life and, and your work life that you had to, to make things happen. And you still got to that race, which was like a ton, like really up and over the top. But this time explain why this was, why, why the stupidity level was really high going to big bear. Yeah. So for this one, um, yeah. So let's see. So, uh, OCR worlds was, three weeks before this race, I, I believe. Um, and then two weeks before this race, I had the U S national boomerang championships. So, oh yeah. So I got to throw boomerangs and I actually won the nice boomerang championships again. Just wanted to slide that in there. So I was, I didn't know, but based off of your track record in terms of like posting on social media, I assume that that's coming that's three coming to four in weeks from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'll <laughs> so, post something about it here in about a month or so. I'm not very good right. at um, Yeah, I'm not, I'm not well, good at social media. Yeah. Congrats on that win. That's great. Yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And then uh, the next weekend, which was a weekend before Big Bear, um, I uh, the Boston Marathon uh, decided to move from April to October this year because of COVID. And so I had registered, I paid, I was planning to run back in April and uh, yeah, and I didn't want to miss out. So I decided I was going to go run the Boston Marathon uh, with uh, a bunch of people that I, I train with. I run with here in Cleveland all the time. They were going out there too. They had all qualified. Uh, it's something that I've done for the past four or five years. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go run the Boston Marathon, uh, even though, you know, Big Bear is in a week. 
so yeah, so that's what made Big Bear um, uh, a stupid thing to do is that I ran the Boston Marathon uh, right before, right before it. And it was literally Monday, Monday. before the race. And I ran on, you know, Big Bear was on Sunday. So at least I had that extra day to work with. <laughs> right. That extra day must have, uh, that probably was the deciding factor. Like if it was a Saturday race, no dice. Sunday no though. No way. Good to go. I wasn't even close to ready. So let's talk about the Boston Marathon first. Cause I mean, this is an endurance focused podcast. So you, do you qualify? Uh, that was a question I was going to ha- ask if you've run this a couple of times. Are you qualifying at Boston each year? Because you did run a marathon last fall yeah, as did. well. Did that get did that get you in the qual- that Right. Was yeah, that so in that, time to qualify this year? Exactly. Yeah. So that qualified me for this year. Although this year, the window to qualify went all the way back to 2019. So technically, right. I'd already been qualified for this one. Um, so... Yeah, so it was it was an expanded window because a lot of people didn't get a chance to run marathons during COVID, and so they decided to just you know let more people run. I think I think only about I think they they had about eighteen thousand at the race, which is a significantly smaller Boston Marathon than traditional Boston marathons, where I think they have you know twenty two, twenty four, you know thousand. But, it's, a, um, it's bigger than you'd think. Um, big. And so the way Boston typically works, right? You, you, there's a set time for your age category. Mm-hmm. If you get under that, then you qualified, but then they take the X amount of t- fastest time. So even if say you run 303 in like, what would be our age group category? I think it's 305, right? Yeah. I think now it's three hours, three hours, three okay. hours flat that you have to run. So yep. say that, that you ran 258 even, but you probably still won't get so you've qualified you've run a bq but you might not be a boston race participant because there's faster times that lead up um and you just might not make the cut which makes exactly exactly so for this race with two years to qualify for it and um like i don't know two-thirds of the amount of participants that had been in previous years this is probably the most elite field of that boston marathons ever put together wouldn't you say yeah, yeah, I forget what the cutoff was, but it was somewhere, it was at least like five minutes below our qualifying time. So you could run a two, you could run a three hour marathon and you could apply, but you aren't getting in unless you were five minutes faster than that or something, sometimes more, um, for depending on the age group and, and, and where it shakes out. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty aggressive. Yeah. And in, in general, like the Boston Marathon, it's cool because it is a very, good time it's hard for most people to run that fast but say if you, even if you weren't a runner like you or i and like as younger people you could still kind of get there it's still a good goal to have for a lot of people they can still reach it but even like a 255 that's like that's not a layup for anybody that really isn't going to be that easy for anyone to make it there so let's just talk about how the race went and then we'll kind of get into big barrel people want, want to know so yeah, you've sure. done several marathons at this point going into the race were you looking from just talking to you it sounded like you wanted to go after it a little bit and just see what you had so what was your mindset leading into it yeah so leading into it i was really really on the fence as to whether or not i wanted to treat boston like a training run or whether uh and then go race big bear or whether i really wanted to get after boston and you know try to get a pr or something and then um and then go do, you know, and then 
potentially not do big bear, which, Mm -hmm. you know, for the U S national series, I already had four races, you know, of the five under my belt. I only needed three and there's really not a huge risk of anybody jumping ahead of me. Although there were one or two guys who, if, if they did pretty well at big bear could have jumped ahead of me. Uh, and then for me to beat woods in the series, I would have had to take first place, which, Mm -hmm. uh, with the caliber of talent that was there, um, you know, wasn't, uh, you know, probably wasn't going to happen. Uh, so, you know, so when I lined up for Boston, um, you know, uh, yeah, I decided I was going to see how I felt for the first few miles. And if it wasn't my day, I was going to just hang back. So maybe I'd run hard for the first five, 10 K. Uh, and then, uh, you know, if I wasn't feeling it, I would just drop back, treat it like a fun run and, and, uh, and enjoy the experience uh, because there are a lot of cool things to see and, and, and a ton of fans all along that route. So it would be fun to just run Boston and enjoy it, um, but it's really hard to line up on the line, have the gun go off, and not want to push the entire way. So I've only done two marathons. One I blew up really bad, and one I held on fairly well. And the the problem with a marathon, in the way I look at it, is that it doesn't feel hard until it's too late. <laughs> you know, so like I'm sure you were running, and you were like, I feel fine. This feels great. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not like a 5k or a 10k where like you feel awful, like everywhere beyond like the first you know mile and a half or whatever. It's like, you don't feel awful until, yeah, until the second half of the marathon, which is around mile 20, right? Even though you mm-hmm. have miles left, like right. one year, you know, you're kind of cruising and, and you're used to training at, uh, you know, at that speed speed to some extent and then all of a sudden your body's like wait this is longer than i remember it being last time and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna start shutting down on you. we're out of gas the um and for you because it's been very much ocr centric for pretty much the whole year right Right. there hasn't been you didn't do like necessarily half marathon to prep for this your training really hasn't been you didn't i don't know but i don't i don't think you've done like you know 15 18 mile tempo runs at marathon race pace because it just doesn't make no. sense like that's not something that would help ocr i don't think right right so that when I, that had to be like a trap right it's like i feel great but then you don't you're not quite sure <laughs> right like, right right i wasn't even preparing for like an ultra or anything so or for you know like spartan ultra or anything so i i wasn't putting in those super long runs right that would translate to, to marathon training and, you know, and I was still probably carrying a little bit more, you know, muscle and, you know, had a little bit more strength uh, than I would necessarily need for a perfect marathon. And so I was really just focused on OCR this year. I, I think the results kind of showed that right throughout the season uh, was not was not planning for Boston Marathon or any other running specific running race to be my A race this year. So at a certain point, it stopped feeling good, right? Yeah, right at about, I think it was about mile 21. I should go back and look, but it was, there's some split in there where I'm going like 550, 550, 555, 555, you know, depending on hills or whatever. And then it's like eight minutes, (laughs) just for one one mile. And then I brought it back to like just above six, but that eight minute mile, uh, if anybody pays attention to my Strava was, 
uh, was my my legs just completely locking up. Like my my calves started to get, you know, you started to get those little mini cramps. Starts to grab at you. Yeah. Kind of ignore for a little while. But then all of a sudden my left hand stream just locked out and it was the most painful. I've never had a cramp in my, in my hamstring and, uh, and it hurt. It was like, it, it just, I, I didn't know what to do, but luckily it was at a water station and there was a med tent directly to my right. Um, I didn't know the rules. Like if I go to the med tent, will they let me finish or will they just pull me out? So I didn't go to the med tent. I sat there. I like massaged out my leg for a little bit, like stretched it, uh, chugged a couple extra Gatorades. Not that that's going to make a big difference at that point, but, um, but I did. And then, uh, and then the next five miles of the Boston marathon were me just kind of shuffling, kind of shuffling. I had a dorsal flex, my feet, the entire run. So I couldn't, I couldn't like, point my toe down as I was like pulling through. Uh, so I may have looked a little awkward, like in those last five miles, but I managed to keep everything kind of stretched out and uh, managed to avoid the really bad cramp, like what I had for the remainder of the race. So I got through the finish, um, but just barely, I was hanging on for dear life at that point. Congrats on getting that done. Cause in having it not be, <clears throat> Like eight minutes, eight thirty, nine minutes, just getting worse and yes, worse. Yes, I've had that race too. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are not fun. That's just like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm such an idiot. Like, why? <laughs> like, everything is everything's bad and negative. What was it? So, where's heartbreak? Is that heartbreak that's right around Hill there, right? Is, uh, yeah, I think it was after heartbreak hill. It was yeah. actually after heartbreak hill. I'd gone over heartbreak hill, come down the next hill, and then started going back up. And, um, and that's when it hit me. That's when it hit me. But yeah, I mean, heartbreak, honestly, for what we do in OCR, um, Boston marathon is hilly. It's got a lot of rolling Hills and then you get to heartbreak Hill, you go through Newton, you got like three different kind of long Hills, but their steepness are not an issue. And I hardly even think about it when I'm out there, to be honest. Um, just because I'm used to running up and down ski slopes and Mm -hmm. and that. So, um, yeah, so it was, uh, but that's when it hit me. It hit me after, after heartbreak hill, which is when most people bonk. That's, uh, that's what I understand about heartbreak as well is that it's not the steepness or it's not that bad of a hill. It's just the placement. It's just tough. And the length, it's probably, you know, it's a solid half mile plus. Oh, so it is pretty long. Yeah, it is pretty long for road runners that people don't like that. No, no. They're if like it's like a two or three percent grade for roadrunners, they're like, "This is a straight up mountain. This is yeah, really I hard." What, I don't know what people from Florida do. I don't know. So let's perfect segue into mountain race. So, what was your mind? Because I talked to you, I think Monday or Tuesday after the race, and I was like, "Awesome job! <laughs> you, okay. you did it. You got Thank it you. done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Requalified. What did your total time end up being?" Yeah, so uh, my time in Boston was a two thirty nine. I think it was a two thirty nine nineteen, which nice. is still like a six oh four mile, six oh five. I don't know. It's like somewhere in the low sixes. Um, uh, yeah, I've ran a two thirty eight at Boston before, which is which is great. Uh, so even despite the cramping issue and wasting you know quite a bit of time, um, you know, I was actually on pace for like a two thirty two or something, which would have been a breakthrough marathon for me. Uh, which I think kind of just speaks to my fitness right now and my, and how OCR, I guess, has translated to some, some level of marathon fitness, or maybe I'm just getting, still getting faster, right? I'm 33, but 
I don't seem to be, you know, I don't seem to be slowing down yet, which is, which is a good sign. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like if you did have some of those more uh, marathon specific training routes, bouts in there where you were, could kind of prep your legs and maybe just know where those signals are, you probably could have run. Yeah. Sub yeah. 235 and something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been able to avoid, I think I could have avoided the cramping if I had done more of those really long runs and really prepared my muscles for it because it wasn't for lack of electrolytes or, or nutrition. It, no. was, uh, it, it was fitness. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was my, my, my muscles saying, Hey, yeah, usually we, we finish this thing around 14 miles or something with a beast or something. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we should be done right now. Yeah. And it's different. It's not just the same, you're not doing the same body part. It's not, you're not calling on the same thing like road running. If you're yes. up and down mountains, it's going to change things a little bit. Um, so yeah. And as you that your PR two thirty eight then previously at, uh yeah, two thirty eight. Yeah, but so to be that to be that close, it's pretty good, man. I'm, I'm I'm happy. Pretty good. I'm not. I'm 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 hungry for uh for another one. Although it's got a it's got a it can't be it can't be a week before U.S. National Series. <laughs> that's that's the caveat. That's one thing that we learned. But do you now qualify for April with this race, or is I that? Yep. yep. Are I they do. are they carrying that over? Okay. Because I wasn't sure if you, if they had to do the. Because usually the cutoff is September for April. I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. So now I think they've extended it. And then I think they're going to have, um, uh, I think even for April, the timeline is going to go way back. Push it. Yeah. yeah I think it should. Yeah. I think it should. And that's fair. Even though as those 2019 who might not have gotten in, if they ran that BQ, then that will probably be, the, if they expand it out again, it will probably be the most watered down Boston ever. Cause people will probably right, be right. not as fit as they were. Um, this one's going to be extremely competitive in April if I, if I decide to go back and run it, but this, you know, I, I think if you would have asked me as soon as I hit the finish line, I would have said, heck no, I'm definitely not running in April. Uh, but now, you know, I start to forget how bad, you know, how <laughs> right. get, get that hunger, hunger coming back. So you weren't sure even on like Monday or Tuesday, whenever we were talking, if you were going to even go to big bear, it was still kind right. of up in the air. What made you decide to then push toward big bear and be like, yeah, you know, let's just try it. Yeah, no, I didn't know until like Thursday that I was going to go to big bear because <laughs> I was in, um, well, I was in Boston, right. Uh, hanging out with the, the girlfriend's family. She's from, from that area. And, uh, the big, you want to know what the big deciding factor was, was, um, I was looking at flights from Boston to Cleveland on Sunday and they were like 350 bucks or something. It was one way pretty expensive. Yeah. One way. And it was because maybe more people were still going from Boston marathon or something. Anyway, for some reason they were exorbitantly expensive. And then I looked at, at flights from Cleveland to LA or I'm sorry, from Boston to LA and then to Cleveland. And it was like, the same price cheaper. <laughs> so that was my deciding factor. I said, well, I guess I'm not really wasting money to go out there and do this. So, um, yeah, so, so I'm going to, I'm going to go do it. And I think it was fate, like just telling me, Hey, you should really, you should really go do this. That, I mean, that is a big, cause you would assume it's a cross country flight. It'd be, you know, way more that expensive. expensive. Yeah. So you see, you're like, you know what, let's just, Let's just give this thing a crack. Um, yeah, yep. but I was rolling the dice because my flight back from from LA to Cleveland was on Spirit, and you, you just never know. Never know. Spirit's actually, in terms of being on time, 
they're pretty good, but they're you just good. you just because they're terrible. It's a terrible experience. It's not fun. <laughs> it's just like and but they get they get people on. They get those things taken off. Um, so then you're at the race. So you're you decided to go, and yeah, we, we kind of kicked around. So you had a chance to move from fourth place in the U.S. National Series, moving up, and you mentioned you're like, oh, maybe I uh, like winning the race didn't seem like a possibility maybe under the circumstances maybe but the person who did win the race vj jones you have beaten twice this year and and once was right. two weeks ago at a course that isn't too dissimilar to big right. bear in terms of like elevation i mean you're at altitude which yes. is hard yes. um but you know two big climbs and then just regular like i guess the obstacles would be more dry but anyway like yeah. you've beaten them twice this year so it's like Let's let's give a roll of the dice this thing. Yeah, so, we needed that. We needed to shake this thing out. We can't we can't finish with a tied season. No, I mean, absolutely on. not. So then you go into it, and how are you? Are your legs bouncing back? Are you feeling okay? Are you like yeah? So the the first time that I ran, uh, I think I ran on Friday after the marathon, and I could already tell like this is going to be this is going to be bad news. Like I I just didn't. I, I was trying to. You know, I was putting in like 6.30 efforts and I was running like 7.30s or 7.45s (laughs) or something. And and I still felt, I felt every bit of of the marathon. And so, you know, I had two days, you know, two days later, right, I'm racing Big Bear. And um, uh, and actually, you know, I I think walking around, I felt okay. Um, And, uh, but the night before I was staying with... uh, Mark Battress and Natalie and, and and a bunch of folks and and Jack Bauer actually I, I picked nice. up Jack on the way to to Big Bear I picked him up at the other airport uh, Orange County Airport and then we we drove in so we had a nice little road trip together it was, it was fantastic um, but uh, but Jack, uh, Mark was asking me the night before he's like oh so how you feeling like are you, are you coming back and as soon as he asked me that question my left hamstring just locked up on <laughs> sitting in like I was sitting in one of those high chairs you know and I like I I bent my leg kind of underneath me, uh, like I'm dangling my legs or whatever. And oh my gosh, it hurts. <laughs> I, like, I can't believe you asked me that question. Like right, right when this happened. And Since it, you asked. Yeah. yeah. It had threatened to do that. Like the rest of the week, like after the marathon, but oh my goodness, it, it, it and, and it continued to do that after big bear. It was like, you know, up until <laughs> early this week is when it, finally subsided and so i i had nothing so i knew that big bear was going to be rough even after that happened i was like well you know we're gonna go for it i said this will this might be uh this might be the probably not the best race of my life but it might be the shortest race uh the shortest boss or (laughs) or, uh spartan race of my life uh because if i start running up this thing and my my legs just lock out on me I'm, i'm done i'm walking off course i'm just gonna you know i'm gonna pull a I'm going to pull uh, Sean Roberts and just take off. Just be good. Like, like just it. get your recovery started. Yeah. That's, that's hilarious. That, cause that, that does happen, right? Like it happens like in your sleep. It'll happen in my sleep. Sometimes if there's a like, big effort or something, I'm just like bent the wrong way for too long. Like my calf will grab or my hamstring oh, yeah. will grab like that. Yep. So it was still around from, so it's Monday to like Saturday or something. So yeah, seems yeah. like you were, you had, had done some, I, I had done something. I had done something. And, done uh, some, at that point, uh, I was just thrown in the towel. But, you know, so I lined up on the line, you know, I mean, the morning of, right, we stayed a mile away from the venue. So we were, nice. we were in a close spot. I got to sleep a little bit more than usual. And it was, um, 
uh, the three hour difference makes a big difference and mm-hmm. uh and going from the east coast to a west coast race is really nice i feel bad for the west coasters who have to come east and then race yeah. at 7 a.m which feels like 4 a.m to them so the race starts I, like there hasn't been any coverage released i haven't really seen anything but i was just kind of like following a little bit on athletics it looked like you kind of stuck your nose right in it like how would the first climb go were you just in it or how it like what were you yeah you know i was gonna race it the way i normally do except i was gonna go out um you know, not the way Mark Battress and I ran West Virginia, where we shot out to the front or anything. And, you know, not really the way I raced uh, OCR Worlds either, where uh, I felt really good. But I said I was going to just hang back in like the first, you know, four or five people and just see how I felt that day. And so, uh, yeah, so we went out, you know, I was hanging behind uh behind a bunch of folks behind atkins like lars josiah lars, was out there josiah, yeah all those guys kind of went, off, went off ahead um yeah i was probably hanging like fourth or fifth and then you know and then uh hosick wandered past me you know on the first climb and I, I knew pretty soon after we started climbing uh when i had to i had to go to marching like pretty pretty early a part of it was probably the elevation i definitely felt like i was breathing harder than I needed to or harder than I would in that, in that regard. And, um, and then a lot of it was just not having the pop. Like my legs were just not doing what they would normally do uh, on an uphill. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was a combination of factors, but then, you know, and then uh, uh, eventually Mark Battress snuck past me on another climb and, you know, kind of tried to hang with him like between marching and running. Uh, But he slowly kind of continued to, to grow that, to, to grow that gap um that was tough <laughs> yeah and that and that's the field was pretty deep for that top like seven so was there anyone really behind you after that or did you really see anybody around no, no not not too close not super far maybe a couple minutes back mm-hmm. um for that race i mean i know it's a super but it's a very steep super and it's a relatively mm-hmm. long super so a couple minutes is still i'd, I'd stay still within you know, within a shot of, uh, of, of potentially being able to pass me if I fail an obstacle or, or Mr. Spear or something. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, you know, if I failed something, somebody could have, could have gotten ahead of me. How were the descents? Like, sounds like the ascents, like just yeah. the energy wasn't there. That's where the, yeah, the ascents was just energy, just not, not being able to go as fast as I'd want to really, uh, the descents, I had to be, it was, it was so weird. I, I wasn't able to open up and just like push and like fly through the descents the way that I love to do. Uh, something was just holding me back. And, and I think it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, every step hurt a little bit, obviously. Uh, but I also didn't trust my footing. I didn't feel like I had the reaction time that I normally do when you're running downhill. Uh, so typically I can run downhill and my legs just do what they have to do. This time I'm running downhill and like, you know, I'm almost rolling an ankle. I'm like sliding a little bit. It just didn't feel stable and in, in, the, in the way it normally would. And I think my, my muscles were just having trouble reacting to each step as quickly as we were trying to move. So I was talking to Annie uh, about her race before, and we mentioned the terrain there. It's funny because it's not like rocks or roots, mm-hmm. but it's like sandy kind of, and it's like, wow. it's like soft. So there's like holes kind of oh, like yeah. that you can't quite see or sometimes like sink into it have you done yes. big bear have you done it that course no, before no my no. first time first time at big bear ever and i felt those yeah those those sinkholes where you 
step on a spot that you think is normal. And then all of a sudden, as you're pushing off, it sinks like three inches or something. And mm-hmm. That was that was weird. Um, and then going down, um, there are spots where you can't pick like a good line. You kind of have to follow like this curve. And uh, and it is. It's really sandy, soft, like you're just like trudging through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it didn't sound – it sounds like ups and downs were not good. <laughs> so, of course – and then yes, and there wasn't much flat running. Yeah, and then at <laughs> altitude, tall order. Taller. Did you have fun? I had a great time. I had a great time. I had a blast. I uh it was a clean race for me, you know, tire flip. Um nice problem. It was dry, super dry. That was nice. Um, you know, uh yeah, nailed the spear. I mean, I wish somebody got my spear on camera because man, whatever that little soldier dude is, the spear man would have been right right (laughs) in his forehead is great. And then uh um uh yeah so i but i had a blast right it was it was it started it finished and then i got to hang out with everybody see everybody uh i knew where i finished in the series which is great um brought home a little bit of scratch right i think in the u.s national series seventh place is like 400 so at least i paid for my flight paid for the flight yeah flight paid for the rental car whatever and then um you know so uh so i wasn't out of out of pocket too much and um uh, yeah, it still made it still made sense to go, and 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 I had a great time. Had a great time. What's fourth for the series payout? Uh, I think a thousand bucks. Okay. Yeah. They uh, it's weird that the, the payouts aren't tremendous for the whole entire series. I guess they would have to pay somebody, but I finished tenth in two thousand nineteen, and it was a hundred bucks. Yes, <laughs> I was like, still is. They don't just, account for inflation. Over the years. I guess not. Yeah. I guess not. I was like, just keep it. Actually, yeah. never mind. I want it. No, no, no. Actually, send it back over. Don't keep right, it. Right. Uh, well, cool, man. Well, I'm glad you went out and gave it a, gave it a crack. It's it seems with it. It seems on brand. Just like, hey, let's see how it goes. Go have fun. Let's just absolutely see where see what I'm capable of doing with all the other factors around. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't want people to think that you know I'm just winging it all the time. I'm not this race. <laughs> this race, I was winging for sure. Uh, but other races, you know, I go in with the intention of, you know, this race wasn't going to majorly help me, majorly hurt me. I knew that I was coming off of, you know, kind of a rough Boston and that, you know, over pushing or doing something stupid could result in, you know, longer injuries that would keep me out of like Abu Dhabi or something else. So I knew, hey, this is going to be more for the experience, you know, enjoyment of it. I am going to put my nose in it. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to race. But um uh, but I, I don't want people to think that, you know, every race I go to is the same laissez-faire approach. Um, I definitely have intention. I have a game plan and, and I go after it. Not that, not that anybody thinks that, but just wanted to clarify that in case, in case that was the impression I was giving here. Well, sometimes in OCR, it seems like people are doing that. There were women in the field, like, who ran the beast the day before who were real contenders. Like Alex Walker know, won the beast. Yes, yes, yes. I saw that. And it's like. What would you rather have done? Run the beast the day before or run Boston the week before? Oh, six days Boston before. The week before. No that's, doubt. That's, that's the way to roll. Yeah, absolutely. Although, you know. In, in terms of energy, what it would do for you? I do pretty well in back-to-back races. You do. Yeah. I'm saying, I'm myself. I do pretty well in back-to-back races. Um, yeah. Well, ask me in five years. We'll ask see. Me in five years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, those um, are really bad ideas. But it depends what you want to do too, right? Like, did you, 
did she was she gonna improve or decline in the national series? Did she want to win five hundred bucks a day before and then go you know do that? Yeah, like, I guess I guess I so. Yeah. I just like to. I just I love racing. I love seeing my friends. I love having a good time. It was a blast. So and yeah, VJ, was- hey, props to VJ, right? Big props. Your business took care of business. Now he ran a very smart race. He wasn't ahead of me until halfway up the mm. first climb, which sounds pretty soon, but it was actually, uh, you know, uh, Atkins went out more aggressively. Uh, BJ had a plan and he executed the plan, right? It just, it just paid off. So that was pretty cool to, cool to see, cool to witness, but, uh, he, he wasn't in the lead until bucket, right? Which is like the second to last obstacle. I think he, yes, yes. He just yeah, made a big very, decisive very move. Yeah, so he must have really, you know, crushed the second climb and, and the descent. Um, and Atkins, for you know, in his defense, didn't probably had no idea that uh, that he was that close, right? Because you're not looking behind you during a race; you don't really know. Nobody's telling you. Um, so I wonder if he, um, you know, had he known kind of how things were playing out, uh, you know, maybe he could have turned it on in a different spot or you know, done something, but. That's why we race. That's, that's why, why we. That's why the races run. It was almost how a road race or a track race, where there's a decisive move made late. Right. Where, where in OCR, it's not really like that, right? It's like you rarely see someone mm-hmm. like sit and kick just because of the, all these other factors. Like you just kind of find yourself in spots yep. sometimes, or. But this seemed like you very like toward the end, conserve energy, make the move, and right. be decisive. So, wow, pretty pretty cool. Yeah, Pretty and cool. actually, um, yeah, it was it was it was it was cool to see. Unfortunately, though, it means it means at least for this season, VJ's a better OCR racer than me because he got me. He won the series three to, Ma- three to two. Maybe he'll be in Abu Dhabi. Are you planning on Abu Dhabi? I am planning on Abu Dhabi. I'm nice. planning on it. I'm planning on it. So yeah, so we'll see. It's a long trip. It's an expensive place to go. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll Have see. you looked at flights from? From Cleveland or anything? Honestly, I've been afraid to look at flights, but yeah. But I just looked at flights, you know, when I went to the Maldives going through uh, Doha. So I'm assuming they're pretty similar. That's true. Doha flight would be. So it's, So that's it's your fun. advantage. That's what the really the Maldives trip was about. It was about preparing yourself. I had to scope it out. You had to scope it out. See what you'd feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I looked over the, the Persian Gulf at, at the UAE and I said, like, okay, all right. I see. I get, I get an idea of how far this is. I can go there. You can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Well, cool, man. Awesome season. Awesome regular season right now as we're moving into the postseason, I suppose. It's kind of like that middle spot now where there were some championship races and then there's one more big race in about six weeks. Closer than you'd think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's coming in hot for sure. Which is cool. So hopefully you get some recovery time and we'll be able to see you out there because I think you'll do really well on a course like that, which is going to be a lot of grit. It's going to be unfamiliar for a lot of people. Yep. Yeah. So I think but, yeah, that- I'm looking forward to it. I'm 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 resting resting a little bit right now and then back to training. Then I'll taper a little bit, hit the race and, and hopefully be in peak form. So yeah, thanks for all of your help and all of your training and all of your um you know coaching and everything else. This has been this has been an awesome experience this year with the uh obstacle racing collaborative torque. It's been torque, baby. It's been been going well. People are doing well. Yeah, they're crushing it. It's awesome. Cool, dude. Well, I will talk to you soon. Appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later.